Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me? Good. Okay. I just wanted to say before we started, I think there is a promo video. We're going to just play that again. Or have we? No, it's a different one. It's to do with today. So before we start, I just wanted to say, you know, the Spirit of God has got nothing to do with the preach, but I want to say the Spirit of God leads us. And this this morning he spoke off, started off with that song talking about a father and the significance of the father. Because God is God, but yet he wants to be a father as well. And there's something profound about the fact that the God of this universe, universe who's been there forever made man and said, I want to be a father to, his, to the people. He felt that there was something important. He was a father always because he was the father to Jesus. But this morning he was telling us that he wants to be your father. And it's in moments like that when we have, where we're encouraged to come forward and to just find that, that, that time that moment where we come and we just say we sit like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. A very, very important time because you've got to understand that the scripture says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. So when we're kneeling down, we're no longer kneeling just to Jesus. We're kneeling down to Jesus and the Father. And so in the moments like that, we have to grasp those opportunities to say, do I want to sit at my Father's feet? In fact, I touch on it today, but Martha, we know, in the kitchen, busy, doing her thing. Mary at the feet of Jesus. Which one did Jesus honor at that moment in time? What Martha was doing was important, but in that moment in time, the feet of Jesus is far more important to us. Because it's at that place that we get the fullness that we need, the revelation that we need, and the life that we need to sustain. So I want to say, let's never pass by opportunities like that. Let's never just brush it by and say, well, yes, it's something that I'm doing. Embrace it. The Father's heart. So anyway, that was one of the, uh, it had nothing to do with what we're talking about today. We're talking about the purpose and the purpose in Christ. I want to just quickly tell you a story of something. And uh, it's going to be a bit of a spoiler alert for some people. Bron and I went to go and watch a movie. No, no, I can't. (laughs) It's very difficult for me to stand. Yeah, boy. There we go. It's very difficult for me to stand in one spot, but I'll try. We, we, we saw a, a, a movie on Friday night, and, and Bron said, oh, well, let's go watch a movie. So I chose one for her, and it was, it's, a, it's a pretty slow-moving movie, but an incredibly touching story, and it's called A Man Called Otto. And for those who, who, who haven't seen it, well, you, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it because I think it's relevant um, for, for, for what we do. And, and effectively all it is, is it's a story of an old grumpy old man who, who lives a life of regret and pain and agony because of, of what had happened in his life. He lost his wife uh, who he loved dearly. And effectively he just went into his own little world. And he lived on this little street. 
you'll, if you watch a movie, you'll understand. It's a little cul-de-sac sort of street, and he knows all the neighbors, but he walks around grumpy all the time. And in the story, along comes a neighbor. I think she was a Mexican lady that she comes along, and she starts interacting with this grumpy man. And she pushes through the grumpiness, and she, she continues to be kind and helpful and, 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 and giving him space to, to move. And eventually what you begin to see is you see the story unfold of how a grumpy old man suddenly begins to realize that his life had not stopped then. There was something more that he could offer. And it was significant for me because it ties into the purpose. God says, you might be walking through life aimlessly because things have happened in your life. The reality is, there is still a purpose to be fulfilled. And he doesn't live very much longer after he achieves this, but he leaves this earth a happy man. Having impacted into the lives because he becomes like a grandfather to the, the next door neighbor's children who they didn't have. And so he cares for the children and he begins to care for the neighbors and, and the neighbor that he had a terrible, uh, he didn't like anymore, they become, be, begin to like each other again. And the other thing was not only with the lady who persevered and pushed into this grumpy old man, at the same time as she was doing that, she was bringing benefit to herself. Because he began to talk to how to drive. And, and eventually when he dies, he leaves his whole life's possessions to her and to the family. And so we begin to see that if we embrace Jesus and take his passion and take the calling that we have in any little moment that we have, any little situation we have, if we just bring light into that situation, we bring hope and purpose into a situation again. And in those moments, God will release us for something far greater. You might not have much, but what you have, you can give. If you can make a grumpy old man find his passion again, then God is doing something in your life. And I think that's the whole heart of this whole purpose series, is for us to just begin to embrace what God can do for us. There's a story, you know the story of Moses. Moses goes through this whole life, being pushed into a river, into a little basket, abandoned as such. His mother giving, her, giving him up. And yet he carries on through the life because God from the beginning of time predestined that he would have a purpose on this earth. And nothing was going to stop the fulfillment of what God was going to do. But it was only many years later when he was walking in the wilderness and he suddenly came across a burning bush that in that burning bush experience, he suddenly found his purpose. God spoke through that moment and said to him, Moses, you need to release bring a release to the Israelites. And so I'm saying to you, you might feel at this moment in time, you might not have a purpose. You don't know what it is. Persevere in God because he has something that you need to achieve. Again, nothing to do with my preach, but I just wanted to share that with you. I have a habit of detour. I'll cut everything out, but I need to share what I think the heart of the Father is today for his people. Let's not lose that opportunities that we have. The David opportunities of being in the, in the wilderness, but God calling him to, a ki to be a king. You see, there's so much lying within us, but we're so scared and so involved in what's happening in life that we're not allowing those things to come to, to fruition, to bring birth to those things. And in that moment, 
God comes through. The life of Samson who fails. He has a purpose. God says you're going to come and bring victory to the, the people of Israel. He meets Bathsheba. He loses his whole thing. And, 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 and did God fulfill his purpose exactly how he planned? Well, I don't know. Maybe there was a different course that was set out for him, but he chose the course. But in the end, he realized, I still have a plan and purpose for God. And he stands between those pillars, and he realizes at that moment that this is my place to do what I was called to do. He pushes those pillars, he kills all those, those Philistines. God's purpose fulfilled through a man's life because he's faithful to the end. No eyes, no value in life anymore. Everything seemed to be taken away, but committed to what God has said from the beginning. And every single one of us, I look out here, and when I was standing over there and I was busy worshipping, I looked and I saw this. I, if you've seen any of the pirate movies before, you see a treasure chest and you see the pirate goes there with his patch and he opens it, and he opens it up and he looks inside and there's just these sparkling jewels inside. And when I look over the people today, I see sparkling jewels. You see, some of you might not be sparkling, but you're still a jewel because God hasn't finished polishing you. Or maybe that cup that's been lying there is now tarnished because it's been lying for a while. It's been dormant. It just needs a cleanup. But the, the, the very essence of who you are is still in you because God has made you that way. He has predestined that we be a great people with a purpose in your street, in your shopping center, in your workplace, wherever you are, standing and being the light for Jesus. That's what you're, the starting point. So I've got a lot of notes here, and I'm definitely not going to get through all of them. But I just want to start off with this. It, it, it says, my purpose is Christ. That's the first one. And I think if we go to page, uh, I think it starts on page five. So you can take notes on page four. But that's, uh, that's just something. If, so start your notes on that. Obviously, the rest we work through on the home cell side of it. But my purpose in Christ. I've got three points to share you, with you this morning. And the first point is, is to realize that Christ alone fulfills. You see, if I look at that one, and I just want to see the picture, the swimming picture. And that's why I've got all my swimming gear over here. You see, if I'm going to go to a race, that's why I want Tim Speedo, but he wouldn't bring it. Polka dots don't look cool on me, so I wouldn't wear them. But if I was going to start a race like that, I wouldn't bring my pool noodle with. It has no value in a race like that. I would come equipped with the right equipment. I would be prepared with the things that I need. So let's hope he's got you. He hasn't got something strange. There we go. There we go. A nice swimming hat. These are the sort of things that you need if you're going to run it, swim in a race like that. But swimming in a race like that has very important things. Because if I've noticed one thing about swimming, and I don't watch swimming very often, but I love to watch it in the Olympic times, where you see all the Phelps and you see all the South Africans and all of that, the clothes and they're swimming, and it's, it's exciting to watch. But what I've noticed with them, it's all about the start. It's how they start the race. You watch the ones who start the race well, correctly, in the technique that they've been trained in, and you'll see them right from the beginning, they push ahead. Most times, 
They're the ones who come one, two, and three because they've started well. Occasionally, you'll get the strong swimmer who will come through like that because he's got his flippers on and off he goes. It's how we start. And this morning, it's how we start to find our purpose that we're trying to teach you. It's where we start, which is vitally important. You see, if I started, go back to that picture over there, and if I was in lane three, and I decided I don't feel like swimming in lane three now, but you've been allocated lane three, and I decide I'm going to go and swim in lane five, I tell you, by the time you get to the end of the race, you would have been disqualified. Served no purpose, because you're in the wrong lane. God has got a lane for us, and we need to stay focused in the lane that he has for us. Too, much we, too often we sidetrack by the things that are going around us, and we say, oh, I want to do a bit of this, I want to do a bit of that. As opposed to settling down at the feet of Jesus and saying, right, what is it that you want me to do in this time and in this season? And I'm not saying for what you do today is the purpose for the rest of your life. I'm saying it's the starting point. And if we start in Jesus, you're starting on the right foundation. He is the rock. Because if you start on the rock, you will always be secure. It's when we start on shaky ground and we try to achieve what we want to do that so often we miss where we're going. Matthew 4.19 says this. He says, Jesus said to the disciples when he was calling, they said, come, follow me. This morning, Jesus is saying to us, come and follow me. That is your starting point in finding where you want to go in life. Jesus Christ. Before Christ purposes us to do something or go somewhere, he calls us to someone. Before Christ purposes you to do something, To go somewhere, he calls us to Jesus. Find your rock. Find the steady one and say, I want to build from this point, this this place forward. I want to read the scripture, and we're going to read it now because it's a long scripture, so I'm going to cut this reading of it out, but I will refer back to it, and that's in Philippians 3, verse 4. Here we see a story of a man who was an incredible man. Paul, and we read from his life on what he found was value in his life. And this morning I want to talk to us about the first point is the value in your life. What is your value? What do you find that drives you, that's important to you, what secures you, makes you comfortable? And we want to evaluate are those things that you see as valuable, valuable to Christ? See, I might say a few things this morning that maybe some of you might agree with or might not agree with, or you, you, you might sit and say, oh, that was a bit hard, because there is place for the things of, that, that, that I do in life. And I want to say, yes, there is a place for the things that you do in life and what you can bring. But we'll see from the life of Paul that it's not what you can bring, it's what he can bring to you. And if I can take something and say, okay, I've got this now, And I give it to him. And I lay it down at his feet and say, this is all my value, my talents, my gifts, my everything that I have. And I say, Jesus, it's all yours. 
I do nothing. I come to the, at the right way. If he chooses to give any of those things back, then you're doing it in the right heart. But if he chooses to hold on to those things and say, no longer, uh, Colin, do I need you to, to, to pursue that, that element in your life anymore because it's of no value to me, but pursue this, and you see the value that comes out of it. You see, it's the starting point once again. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis. I think it's on the screen over there. A car that is made for petrol will not run properly on something else. And so, God designed that the human machine will run on it. Uh, it will, um, and, and so, God designed the human machine to run on himself, on Jesus. When God designed mankind, that was his purpose. It was fulfilled and completely and entirely reliant upon the Father. Is it dropping down again? Mm-hmm. I'm dancing too much. Better? He himself is the fuel of our spirit. Uh, no. He himself is the fuel that our spirits were designed to burn. The food our spirit was designed to feed on. There is no other. This is why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in a way in our own way, without bothering about knowing Him. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from Himself. There's something profound about that. You see, often we're coming to God with everything and we're saying, God, do this. And God says, I can't do that because it's not who I am. But if we come to God and realize that He is our fuel, He is our life, He is our energy, And in that, we come with the right attitude and the right heart, and we say, God, come through. He says, this is who I am, and therefore I can come through. My question to you is, what is the petrol that you and I are putting into our tanks? We're talking about the first point, realizing that Christ alone fulfills. I'm going to rush through this one here. So we'll skip that page. If it's not God that's been put into our fuel tanks, then what else is being put into our fuel tanks? You see, if we look at the life of Paul, yeah, we have a man. Okay, so the, quickly, in a nutshell, Paul was a man called Saul. He has an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus, in that encounter, transforms his life. But Paul was a man at that stage who was famous. He was loved and he was feared because he persecuted the church. He had everything going for him. In terms of a man with all the, the things that we aspire for in life, Paul was the man, the top of everything. The scriptures clearly say, yeah, in Philippians 3 it says, I don't think we've got, I'll read it to you. This is Paul declaring to the people the things that are valuable to him, how important he was. He says, listen to this. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was zealous to the end uh, that I harshly persecuted the church 
And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He was everything that it was required of a man. That was his CV. That was his credentials. That's who he was. The perfect man in those times. Everything that we as people and human beings aspire to is summed up in that man and who he was. My job, my career, my position, my status, my name. Paul said I was circumcised on the eighth day. Brilliant. Full of zeal. Full of energy. This is the things that was pouring into into Paul's tank. He was filling himself. Because if you read that scripture, it says, I was. Then he says, I am. Pure-blooded. I was a member of the Pharisees. I was. I am. It goes through. Everything rotating around his disciplines and his life. Now you say, well, that's all fine and dandy. How does that relate to me in a modern-day world? Because, of course, that was the first-century man. How did a 21st-century man say, yeah, Paul was the top of the class? Okay? Remarkable upbringing, circumcised on the eighth day. Yeah, we can understand it's your pedigree, who you are, your family name. I think today if, uh, and a few years ago, if your name was Zuma, you had a lot of clout. Today, if your, 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 your surname was Musk, I think you, you, you accept it as somebody important. Barack Obama, you're his son. Suddenly your name becomes important. We see a symbol of importance to the name attached. Paul had that importance that he was. He grew up in the best country. You can think of, maybe this is your best country. Some people are hoping that the other countries that they are in are their best countries. The place where you're born, the town that you were born, the area that you were born, the class that you were born in. We put value on those. The tribe. He said, I was a true tribe of Benjamin. Well, we have so many tribes that we relate to today. Your sporting club can be your tribe. The place where you succeed and you're the greatest. I'm the best squash player. I'm the best soccer player or whatever it might be. Maybe it's because of your, your tribe is the, your value and your wealth. I live on the best area in the best place in Durban. On the right spot the most valuable property. I have a lot of money in my bank account. I'm successful in my workplace. I'm at the top of the ranks in my thing. I'm the CEO of of my company. This is what Paul was declaring. The language. Paul said, I I spoke Hebrew. You must remember in those days, Greek was the the most common language that was spoken at that stage. So not only did he, he speak Greek, but he had the benefit of all of that. Maybe it's to say, well, I speak English. Or maybe it's I speak Mandarin. Whatever it might be. The education. We put value in these things. Paul said he had natural things. He was mentally sharp. He was a communicator. He was extrovert. Well, I'm an introverted person. I can't. He was all of those things. The things that we thought of value. You see, Paul today, if we put him in the 21st century, he probably would have been one of those guys at the age of 25, made $5 billion on the stock exchange because he sold some startup. That's the sort of person that we were talking about here. 
He was successful, first in his class, right at the top ranks, always got the best marks to the right places. He had the best parents and the best siblings. Man, my family was top. They, everything they gave me was absolutely wonderful. My career, beautiful. Man, I've got the best career in the world. He was well loved. He had maybe one of those people who'd never had hardships. You looked at their life and you said, gee, I'm struggling along here, but just look at them. Oh, I don't see them ever having problems. They never have challenges in their life. No pain. Comfort and luxury. He was one of those guys who were ripped. You know, the body. Men wanted to be him with him, or men wanted to be with him. Men wanted to be him. You get it right. Women wanted to be with him. That sort of guy stood out in the crowd. I want to say none of these things are bad in themselves. To see, have all of these characteristics and say, maybe you're successful, you're great, you've got all the accomplishments that you want. None of them in themselves are particularly long, wrong. But something happened to Paul when he began to realize that what he has, what I have, is no value. Because when I want to start on the journey and the right lane in the right spot, I have to lay down everything that I have at the feet of Jesus and say, what is it that you want me to bring that's going to add value? I see too many people, and, I, and it's the honest truth, that we come. Here we are. Jesus, here I come. I'm coming. Okay, lay it down. No, no, I'm just bringing my bag with me. I've just got a few things that I want to take with me. My success, my ability to talk, my ability to communicate, my love for people, my sporting career. But Jesus this morning is saying, take this, give it to me, and I will dig in that bag and I'll have a look at what needs to go back to you that the kingdom is advanced. Because once it's in his hands, then it's no longer I, but it's Christ. And that's the goal. That's where we start when we can say, Jesus, it's you and you alone where I want to start, my starting point. See, we see, we see again in verse 7 of that scripture in Philippians 3, and it says this, Wherever, Whatever were gains, I now consider loss for the sake of the cross. Whatever Paul gained, he considered a loss for the sake of the cross. In fact, it goes on to there, and, I, and I'll just find that scripture the full scripture there. Uh, there. It says, I once, in verse 7, he said, I once thought these things were valuable, but I now consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ. For this sake, I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage. That's how he saw the value that he could bring to Christ as garbage. 
And you see, this morning the challenge to us is how do we see what we bring when we come to? It's easy when you're a kid and you say, I give my life to Jesus and I'm serving Jesus because you generally don't come with baggage. But when you come later on in life and you're successful in your career and everything and you're chasing things all the time and you say, Jesus, here I am. He says, I love you, but let go of those things that I can bring the balance and the, and, and the direction that I want into your life. run out of time God's approval things like money relationships, fame, jobs these are the things that we see as valuable the system is flawed the world we live in is flawed it adds things that we think are important and Jesus is saying they're not important if you want to fulfill your purpose What are you filling your tank up with? The question to you. These things can't be. The things of this world and the things we can offer can't be God to us, can't satisfy us. They will never last forever. You must remember when you die one day, all those things that we find as value are left behind. It's only the value of what we've done in Christ that adds the, the value further down. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things. It's the same thing. Once you're seeking God and you give this to the, him, he then chooses the value that he needs to use you for, because he might made it, make you a successful businessman. He's not saying throw that away. He's saying give it to me and let me use it for my kingdom. You see, because so often we watch people, they're chasing the next house. While I'm living in this house, it's worth three million. I'm chasing the next, I want to own a house that's five million. And so you put yourself under pressure and stress because you recommit yourself over and over and over to things. And slowly what you're doing is your time is consumed by everything else other than what Christ has destined for our life. Fulfilling his purpose. Two more points, and I'm going to, but these I'm just going to skim over. I know we've got a bit of time. Can I be on it? Can I take a few more minutes? Are you sure? I don't think anybody's going to put up their hand and say, please, no, sir, don't do that. The second one is a thing called cast your deadly doings down. Now you say, what does that mean? There's a hymn that says, lay your deadly doings down. Down at Jesus' feet, stand in Him and Him alone, glorious and complete. Lay your deadly doings down, down at Jesus' feet. Very profound. And you say, what are these deadly doings? I want to say those deadly doings, and this is one of the points that we have, is again, is accepting that where your starting point is with Jesus. You see, we look at the story of Mary and Martha. Yeah, we have a good uh, idea of a lady who's in the kitchen bashing her pots and pans because yes, she's invited Jesus to her health and she's doing all the catering so she's cross and she's eventually she storms out and she says to Jesus, look at this she's just sitting at the feet, can't you tell her to help me? And Jesus stops her right there and explains the value of sitting at his feet now that wasn't the moment where, where, where Mary washed his feet it was another occasion 
And then in, 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 I think it's in Luke, we see the, the, this similar scenario of where we see Mary now taking the, the perfume and breaking it and washing Jesus' feet. And what happens there is Jesus says to because everybody complains, how can you use such an expensive thing on, on, on a man's feet? And Jesus said, she was washing me for my burial. You see, in the moment when we come forward, every single time, in those moments as, as, as um, was preached, the Kairos moment, those moments that are special where the Spirit speaks and life comes. Those moments are where Jesus brings revelation and hope and, and a greatness to our life that carries us forward because she gets a revelation of what was going to happen to Jesus. And in that moment, she washes his feet as a symbol that he was going to die. And Jesus honors her and says, from this day forward, this moment will always be remembered. And look at us, 2,000 years later, we still remember the Lady Mary who sat and washed Jesus' feet. His words were true because she honored him and took the time to say, I'm willing to sit at the feet of Jesus. The busyness of life cast it aside. The deadly doings, the thing that we can offer, the value that you can offer, you're the value that you think that I'm righteous. Philippians 3 again, Paul says this, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to say to you, when you come to Jesus, there's probably two things that you need to lay down. When you come to Jesus, you're laying your sin down. And you're saying, Jesus, you've washed me and you've cleansed me and therefore I lay it down. At the same time, you need to lay down your own righteousness. The very thing that you hold dear, that you're striving and working towards. See, the two people there, Mary and Martha, the ones working towards her salvation. She's working to being obeyed. Every single day she's striving to be something better. That she can go to sleep at night and say, yes, I've achieved. I've accomplished something good. And I'm telling you, there's lots of good people out there who are going day in and day out, feeding the poor helping people, all that sort of thing. But it's done in the wrong motive. It's done in a heart of, I need to serve to do it. I need to do it that I can get the accolades as opposed to being somebody like Mary. And where you're at the feet of Jesus, you suddenly begin to realize that this is my starting point. You're starting from a place of rest. You see, Mary starts from rest. The other one, you're trying to build up your rest. Hopefully by the end of the day, you've achieved it. Jesus is saying, start at my feet. Put those things down, your righteousness, and embrace me and realize that I am your righteousness. You don't have to strive to be, uh, to be good. Jesus sees you as that jewel. I said to you this morning. He sees you as that jewel. He's working on you, yes. Some of you are going to be polished a little bit more, but I'm telling you now, he still sees you for the value that you are. Because as soon as you've said, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and Savior, He washed you and cleansed you, and you are clear, uh, pure from that day forward. Skipping right through. Last one. Decide. It's a simple point. You need to decide that this is what you want to do. 
If you want to be on the journey for Jesus and you want to say, Jesus, you're the first and foremost part of my life. And you want to say all the things that, are, that I have got, the, 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 the great things that I carry in my bag. If you're saying those things are important, but you want to throw them at you, you need to decide to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. And so your first point of finding your purpose is following Jesus and deciding that you need to be doing it. You need to be clear. Verse 10 said this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer him. You see how it changes from what I can bring to what I want in Christ. Paul's experience can teach us that's how we need to live. I've got a whole lot of other things, but I'm not going to go into them. You'll never know. Because part of it, he talks about hardships and building routine. And there's ways that you can build routine in your life. Once you've decided that you want to do it, have a sense. Build some habits in your life. Daily habits, weekly habits, yearly habits for God. Weekly gatherings, singing praise. Pray throughout the day. Pray with others. Set aside for time for Christ. Read and fret on the scriptures. Do devotions, podcasts, and additional teaching. Get the Spirit of God into your heart. Get the, what God wants, to, wants you to hear for that day, for that moment, for that time. And I'm going to finish on this, and I want to just say, I think there's a picture of the puzzle there. I, want to, I, I saw this. And our life is very much like a puzzle. You see, we want to start our purpose in. We want to almost, yeah, the first person who starts to preach on the purpose to say, right, that's what I'm going to do with your life. Because that's how humans are. We want to know exactly where we're getting to. But I want to say God doesn't always work that way. There's moments in times, like in the moment with, with, with Moses in the burning bush, where God says, you need to release my people. God told him what he needed to do, but he didn't give him the full picture of how it was going to happen. And that 40 years down the line, he'll still be wandering through a desert. You see, God is building a picture in your life. And the picture is his total purpose. And it's one little piece at a time. It's one little moment at Jesus' feet. It's one little moment where, where God reveals something to you and you say, this is what I need to embrace for my life. And you add that picture in. I remember building a puzzle as a young man. And it was, it, it was quite devastating because I, it was quite a big puzzle. And I got to the end of it and one piece was missing. Man, is that frustrating. I don't know if you've ever had that encounter in your life. It, uh, it, 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 the fruits of the Spirit aren't always prevalent at that moment. But the reality is, let's not miss what God is for us with pieces missing in our puzzle. Let's get down the road of what God has got, the purpose that He has for you and for me, with everything intact. That when we leave one day, the picture will be what God wants it to be. And you will be remembered for what God wanted you to be. Not what your successes are, or how much money you left in the bank account, or what school your children went to, or what place you were educated in. You see, those have value, but not unless it's put at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus builds on it. And so this morning, I think the, 
the, the summary of everything here is there is quite simply this. Realize that Christ alone fulfills. Cast your own righteousness and the things and how you see Christ and you see him in, the, in his, how he sees you in his wholeness and complete. Cast your deadly doings down and then decide. Jesus Christ, we just thank you this morning that we can just come to you relaxed knowing that the plans that you have for us are not just something that might happen. It will happen if we're a willing heart and a willing being to want to pursue what you've got for us. I pray for the people here this morning. Lord, that you would reveal day in and day out the puzzle piece of their life. That you would reveal the purpose every single day. That they would be the help to the grumpy old man. That they would be the inspiration to the people around them. That they would be the light to the world in every situation that they face. And that they would embrace what you have. For those who are struggling to, to lay down the things that they have, the talents that they have, the gifts that they have for the sake of the gospel and for the purpose of Christ. God, I pray that you give them strength. I know your scripture is quite clear that some people will not be able to do it as we see of the man where Jesus said, give up everything and follow me and he couldn't give it up. But God, I pray for your people right now that they would sacrifice for your purpose and your calling. In Jesus' name, amen.